Salutations, audience, and welcome back to another episode of Anime Was Not a Mistake. I'm Jonathan Kwiatkowski, one of your hosts who is currently understudying for the role of the diva in Fifth Element. And I'm joined, as always, by my inevitable co-host... Dan Ryan, uh, your friendly neighborhood ice pickman? Hmm. They sit in their water. They just chill. Well, they can sit in water. But they don't like it? You can't spray them with it. I don't know what that has to do with ice, but it doesn't like getting sprayed. They don't <laughs> like no, they don't like getting sprayed. That's <laughs> that's important. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but anyways, we resume in our back to back to back to back week off anime recording. Doing a gauntlet. Yeah, so <laughs> we are doing we're doing the pit of a hundred trials. <laughs> it was on Outside Island the whole time, of course. But uh, we're here. We're back. Uh, I have to ask. I don't think anything has happened since the five minutes we ended. In the no. last episode in the timeline, but do you have any news, life, anime updates to share? Uh, I do not. Oh, you don't uh, like anime anymore, I see. In this uh, yeah. in this short time that is I'd be like, oh, well, Dan, I passed. figured out your prompts, so we're ready to go? No, no, I'm just kidding. No, I, no, I, I no. didn't do that. I need more time to think on that. So, in lieu of that information, there will be no tangent intro brief for this yes, episode. Yes. I know you're mourning, you're gnashing your teeth at home. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, God, we won't hear these two men. Discuss yeah. their figure collection again. Yeah, no. We what will, are they gonna do? Well, and Jonathan, we need you to we need you to get further in Zolda and <sighs> Final Fantasy sixteen so that we can it's discuss. Slow, and dish. It's slow progress, but it'll happen. And Pikmin four, don't forget. But I'm, uh, I'm not playing that. Oh, as we revealed, we're not Pikmin. We're not Pikmin no. stands. Oh right, no, and this that was surprising. This blew my mind. I thought you were a Pikmin, fan. and I thought you were. Huh? And it feels like we've been being gaslit by someone or something. It's because John Farouk. But but it can't be. There, I, there well, that's how been, who I've been gaslit by. Someone in our group had Brad's to have not. been obsessed with with Pikmin <laughs> because we bring up Pikmin Maybe far Gabe? too much. I don't I don't know about Gabe though. Gabe hasn't played I, all of them. But it but it's like for a group that doesn't have anyone that likes Pikmin, we bring it up constantly. I think it's so, just they're cute, but they are cute. Yeah. I you know they look like those pick pick carrots. I don't mm-hmm. know, but. Uh, yeah, that was that was a shocking development yesterday. But other than that, I have no news. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so with that, let's get into the episode proper, shall we? Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're watching, though, and neither does the audience at home. Only me. I hold the keys to that mystery. Yes. And there's a new thing that I want to do now that I finished one of my, um, you know, one of my series Trigun mm-hmm. being done, and another one in the works. Mm-hmm. Currently recapped with all the notes, and I think maybe if I have the time after I finish the series, I'm going to introduce a. Uh, loosely themed, accurate, specific, adjacent movie to okay. what we just watched. Okay. And since we did Trigun, this is going to be a sci-fi joint through and through. Okay. Today on the podcast, and we'll just show how much Dan has listened to me because I brought it up before on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I won't name what episode. We are watching 1995's Memories. Ooh, very yeah, good. And it's going to be very a good. Dan's wet dream come to life. 
Um, why this anime? Uh, as I mentioned before, it's a collection of animated short stories by an anime manga legend being Kachiro Otomo. Uh, it's got ties to Satoshi Kon, who we have an entire season on, mm-hmm. uh, Koji Morimoto, and Tensei Okamura. I really love this since I saw this during the quarantine, especially the first segment being the Magnet Rose and I know we've been talking about roses a lot mm-hmm. in this, but the first segment really wowed me. Uh, it will appeal to Dan's tropes of sci-fi and post-apocalyptic settings. Also, I love when we bring anime movies once in a while, and thus my new modus operandi to bring anime-adjacent movies to things and series that we just watched. No, very good. Yeah. I know I struck, you know, a home run with uh, the Night of Short Girl walk-on. Um, still love that movie i yeah. i do i re- i read the book and the book is very accurate to that so you know that's gonna be even though i butchered that title but that's going on uh dan do you know anything about memories before going into it i do not i have just mm. heard it uh, you've mentioned it before obviously and i always see this tempting looking blu-ray oh here it on is in your storefront in your hands now um i'm looking at the back on these screenshots i'm seeing a lot of good names i'm yep. seeing people who worked on stuff like the animatrix and tokyo mm-hmm. godfathers mm-hmm. uh vampire hunter d bloodlust mm-hmm. even uh evangelion all kinds of things here and obviously from the career of akira itself yes. as this points out yes so. yes yes and here are your notes for that as well thank you that i kept hidden but yeah all is included um uh while we're watching this i think i mentioned it before we watch i want you to think about the connection between each, between each of these three vignettes mm-hmm. um i think each one prompts discussion i want to see how you rank them if mm-hmm. you can rank them even though it might be a little unfair to rank them they're, they're a bit different. Uh, just know that I highly considered going out of order while watching this, but okay. we've settled on the original order okay. in my mind. So we're watching how it was originally presented to the audience. So the drawing board, he is here as well, and he is aboard the Corona edition. Uh, not that Corona, and not the one I'm drinking right now. That's to say the truth. But uh, Are you? he is... No, I'm, I'm drinking wine. Okay. <laughs> Corona's piss water, don't you know? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll drink that anyway. But uh, he's very aliens tinge Nostromo edition. He's ancient 1980s spaceship space operetta flavored today. No, he is looking much more detailed yeah. than usual. I he must might say. have many secrets hiding in his many nooks and crannies. I and, would certainly hope so. What's that... that I hear the the fra- <laughs> refrain of a Puccini opera? Ooh. Oh, maybe more they combined. Even. Well, they combined you and my interest for one of these segments. That is what it would look like, and if we did, that is that is. We will we, both yeah. be eating good tonight, aside from the Chinese food we're about to get. Of but, course, but yes, uh, memories. Also, Otomo Koshiro's memories is a 1995 Japanese animated science fiction anthology film with Kachuhiro Otomo as executive producer and based on three of his manga short stories. Uh, Otomo is a Japanese manga artist, screenwriter, animator, and film director, best known as the creator of Akira, Mm -hmm. who, you know, we're all aware of. Yeah. Haven't watched that yet. We gotta bring it. We will bring it. It'll happen. Yeah. That movie traumatizes me, though. Oh. (laughs) I'll save it for when we get to that, but there's a moment there that was like a young Jonathan Exorcist moment. Understandable. If any movie's gonna do that to you, it's Akira, but yeah. yeah, Here I am, hosting an anime podcast, so, you know, something stuck and loving horror. Uh, His work has influenced Japanese culture and serves as a major inspiration to 1980s Japanese video games. Uh, Khan's work, with Magnetic Rose being a collab between the two, uh, Ryan Johnson, Looper, and anime proponents anywhere, everywhere. Okay. So, you know, this 
is another tentpole series that we're going to watch and more work from the anime masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2001, Animage magazine ranked Memory 68th on their list of 100 greatest anime productions. Magnetic Rose, which is our first segment, has generally been deemed the best episode. I feel the same. Uh, with critics at Anime Meta Review and THEM them anime sig- saying it alone made the film worth watching. Anime Academy thought it was a pure symphonic treat from start to finish, and running only 45 minutes, it could still be compared with the greatest anime productions in every single aspect, from animation to storyline. That's on Magnetic Rose. Mm -hmm. Uh, Comments on Stink Bomb and Cannon Fodder, the other two segments, were less favorable, but I think you're going to find joy in them. Like, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't bring this entirely to the podcast if Dan Ryan's going to be like, well, consider Cannon Fodder. I think you're going to be that person. Well... No, and, and that is the thing. I don't engage with, with like, anthologies a lot, but even with yeah, something like... no American like, Horror Stories for you? With Well, yeah. something like Star Wars Visions that I thoroughly enjoy. Like, you go into it not expecting what you're going to get, and I think that ends up being one of the best qualities of going into an anthology. Because mm. it's it's a kind of like a grab bag. Yeah. So. Uh, so, comments on Sting Bomb and Ken Fodder, as I said, were less favorable. Sting Bomb has lots of humor and stylish visuals, while Ken Fodder might be the closest to the... Uh, overarching themes of the trio that are mm-hmm. present. Like, I understand why these three were put together in a way. Um, I thought about switching the order while watching these segments, but uh, we will stay true to form and watch them as originally released. Yes. As I said, I think you will like all of them anyway, some more than others. Uh, Magnetic Rose, our first one directed by Studio 4 Degrees Celsius, uh, known for the Animatrix, Gotham Knight. Very good. Uh, Spriggan Berserk, Golden Age Arc, um, Thundercats 2011. Very good. <laughs> and tons of OVAs, music videos, commercials, and more. Uh, co-founder Koji Morimoto, animator of Akira, Kiki's Delivery Service, Fist of the North Star, Oof. and written by Satoshi Kone himself, whose work has a whole season on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? <laughs> uh, very much so. Uh, anime legend. Music was composed by uh, Yoko Kano and largely influenced by Giacomo Puccini's Madama Butterfly. It's embodying you. Mm, you know, and, <laughs> and, and that's Tos- a recurring motif for you. <laughs> and Puccini's Tosca is in there as well, too. So, like, two of my faves uh, operas. Which, you know, someday... <laughs> <laughs> it's anime adjacent. I may just bring an opera to this podcast. Yeah. And yeah. just, like, put the, the, the digitally altered filter over your eyes. Do we have the venue space for it? I mean, drawing board. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We ask well, a lot of him. It's long down the line. Maybe that's when I'm 16. We run out of ideas. But it's a primarily operatic and highly involved, reflecting the serious, intense nature of the film uh, as it takes on as it progresses, uh, which you know I'll have things to say about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stink Bomb, the second segment, directed by Tensei Okamura, storyboards. He's famous for for Neon Genesis Evangelion, Cowboy Bebop, Metabots, Wolf's Reign, mm. Oran High School Host Club, Soul Eater, Blue Exorcist, Darker Than Black, and much, 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 much more. Jesus, many so, podcast faves on yeah, there. <laughs> and written by Otomo themselves. Uh, music is by Jun Miyaki and uses jazz and funk as its main influence, adding to the film's chaotic comedic nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cannon Fodder, written and directed by Otomo. Music by Hiroyuki Nagashima. The score of Cannon Fodder is diff- difficult to categorize, blending brass band, orchestral, and avant-garde compositional techniques. Uh, through unusual animation techniques, the illusion is created that the film consists of one continuous shot or long take. Very interesting. So, I, awesome. I see that discussed on animation TikTok sometimes. Mm, and it's, do it's, you? It's difficult to do correctly, but mm. I think when it is done correctly, it could be pretty dazzling. So, yep. yeah. And then some final talking points just to think about before we bid drawing board adieu. Talking points should include the ranking of episodes, positive and negatives of each. Uh, overarching themes that you touch upon, morals of each episode, why were they made. 
and why presented in this order in the first place. Okay. Um, individual elements present in, present in each piece and just some things to look out for. Which were your faves? Uh, what would you change? What you would have added? Or would you have just left them as they were? And maybe the audiences don't rank them according to your own standards as well. Because okay. I, I have a feeling you're going to be the black sheep. Okay. As you often are. Well, I, I won't purposely be contrarian, but I'll try, you know, it's it's an instinct I gotta express. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're fast-forwarding off, Dan. Any initial thoughts before we get into the viewing? I feel like this is going to be a very enlightening anime experience. I, again, I feel like, again, because you have name-dropped this a lot, so <laughs> I put off ordering it for myself or mm-hmm. watching it for myself up mm-hmm. until this point. Um, but I have heard it discussed before. I am I am very excited to cover this, so I'm glad that you yeah. you know I deigned this done. Yeah. To, to give it to you. Yeah. Yeah. The royal we descended <laughs> from their cloud. Of course. Well, Dan, without further notice, I'm gonna have to ask you to wear this spacesuit. Yeah, but Jonathan, in space, no one can hear you sing. <laughs> sing. Mm-hmm. We'll answer that question in a few minutes, Dan. See you then. <laughs> <laughs> Ten Hut, and welcome back to Anime Was Not a Mistake, and my god, audience, I don't know what I just unleashed upon the world. <laughs> this was pretty amazing. Mm. I, I will say overall. I don't know I don't know how you want to structure this, but In order. Uh, yeah. I Okay, so so how are we gonna we gonna do we gonna save the big thoughts for the end or well, we no, gonna go if they, first? if they come up, if you don't have any overarching things, you can okay. you can bring them up as they see fit. Okay. Yeah, but I just structured like the plot synopsis in order of the shorts that we saw, but any initial thoughts on the whole thing? It, incredible. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend this. Um, I kind of see what you mean in terms of, like, the responses that these parts mm-hmm. received. Mm-hmm. These, again, I don't want to... These, these all seem like animated classics in their own right, yeah. so I don't want to, like, speak out of turn in terms of that. But the first segment, Magnetic Rose, feels like it could be a movie. Yep. This could be a separate series. And then the second one feels like it could be a Twilight Zone episode. Mm-hmm. And the third one feels like, uh, do you remember Pink Floyd's The Wall? Oh, do I? That's what inspired this, Dad. The, it feels like that mixed with kind of a similar, smaller Twilight Zone episode. Mm. And the only reason I say that the first one doesn't is because the first one feels cinematic. The yep. first one feels like this is, you know, um, just something that could only be portrayed this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when we were watching the second one, when it started, I'm like, okay, why did this need to be an anime? Mm-hmm. What, like, what, what about this story, you know, needed that? But then as it kept going, I'm like, okay, this could have only been animation. Yeah. This, there's no way this would have worked. Couldn't have gotten the Japanese military for that. Uh, like, there's no way this would have worked any other way. And the third one is obviously so visually distinct that it, it's, you know... 
I'm interested to see what what the general consensus on the theme yeah. and stuff is. Well, it's more of our ideas. Yeah. You know, what we pick up along the way. That and the overarching theme of memories. Yes. Which is more present in the first one. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into the shorts, shall we? Of course. Uh, first, we begin with Magnetic Rose, my personal favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you were able to tell during it, but... No, it's it's all you. It's yeah. all your aesthetic. Yep. So. so we open on the spaceship Corona in deep space. This is a salvager ship uh, that receives a distress signal from a giant space station. Stop me if you've heard this one before. You know, very alien. Lots of great focus on the tech. Yep. Like, we see it's that, it's that Nostromo type of, like, this is, you know common technology that is you know barely holding together sometimes by some normal dudes and they're going about their daily jobs and we get to see the intricacies of like all of it as Mm -hmm. as we get introduced to their day i guess so the crew of the corona is scrapping a satellite before blowing it up with a gravity well we get coral jazz Uh, the crew is composed of heinz and miguel who are engineers Ivanov, who is the captain, and Aoshima, who is communications and other tech stuff. Yes. While this is going on. Um, in another alien situation, where they're being lorded over by another big business slash a company, and making comments on the such. Yeah, they were going to be, their boss was going to send them immediately to another salvage job, but they're like, no, that's out of our way. We just, we just want to go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Miguel remember, remembers all the women that he left back at home. Uh, cool propelled mech suits that I know Dan's gonna love with stupid little arms. Yes, little arms. Yep. And Heinz has a ten-year-old daughter, but not really talkative on the subject for some reason. Yes. Keeping that close to the chest, that info. Uh, the distress signal that they hear is a warped version of Un Bel Deal, uh, Un Bel D Vedremo from Puccini's Madama Butterfly. I wouldn't need any decoding software in order to pick that up. I would no, know immediately. Not. But the crew is freaked out because obviously it's very weird to hear an opera song broadcasting over an SOS channel. Yeah. Um, uh, is it an SOS? We don't know. Aoshima locates the origin uh, as within a dead zone in space. It's dangerous to go, but Ivanov decides that they are changing course to check it out just in case someone is in trouble. Well, important. Well, not even because it's like it's very much established that these are like regular dudes. Mm-hmm. It's more so, I think, if the company finds out that they ignored a SOS signal under like maritime law, mm-hmm. they would get in trouble. So they have to go and at the very least record themselves starting a rescue operation, or else they could face like legal consequences for yeah. it. So it's. You know, a little grayer than that, but mm-hmm. it's interesting. They find a huge space station in a swirling field of debris. Heinz and Miguel are sent out to investigate. Could someone be living in there? We don't yeah, know. Someone's, the signal's somehow coming out. Yeah. Um, Ivanov and Ayashima are tracking Heinz and Miguel through cameras in their spacesuits for video footage. So we get them, like, hearing things and seeing things, but only through, like, old-fashioned video still. Yes, and the, 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 the ticking clock element is that the mag field in the area like kind of rises and falls and nothing in their ship uh the corona is shielded against it mm-hmm. so if the the magnetic field sparks again it could wipe out their communications or ruin their computers yeah. uh yeah cause problems and the at least on the outside it's like this spaceship has more ancient equipment when compared to their more modern technology yes so they're investigating that and they don't know if someone is still there uh seems breathable and free of radiation inside uh, they comment that this is, like, a hole straight to hell. Yeah. Uh, so, we're kind of nervous about that. Miguel is more affected by the change in gravity than Heinz, who is more cautious and prepared. I, yep. 
To point out one thing about this scene where they're entering it on their little scooty puffs, mm -hmm. and they're entering, like, the way that this... Because obviously it looks like a giant rose, um, but uh, if you ever watch Star Trek The Motion Picture, uh, Spock entering the V'ger orifice, if that's the word for it, is uh, very, very, very similar to this. So mm -hmm. I would be surprised if there was not some inspiration um, from that in this. Yeah. Yeah. Inside, they are stunned to see a lavish Baroque-style manse, Vampire Hunter D, anyone? Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, this is how I would live. Uh, the distress signal has weakened, but they find a large portrait of a beautiful woman. Miguel thinks he sees her and discovers a holographic area portraying a pastoral field, but it's just a hologram. Mm -hmm. Behind them, a servant in the form of a robotic uh, mannequin de piss... Uh, suggests that there is a madam here. A little creepy angel, if they yeah. don't know what a mannequin dip is. Well, they should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look up some art. Be cultured once in a while. Uh, the pair arrive to find a lavish luncheon prepared with champagne and lobster. Miguel helps himself. Shouldn't really eat that. Water and food is all spoiled and rotten. Yeah. So appearances are not what they seem. Yeah, the facade starts to break away here. Yep. And Heinz hears a music box and rushes to find its source. It's in the shape of a little girl. It falls, and this oddly shakes up Heinz a bit. You don't want to shake your hinds up. No. I'm sorry. Keep no. Going. Keep going. <laughs> uh, they find more portraits of this lady who turns out to be Ava Fradel, who died in 2031, a renowned opera diva back on Earth. Uh, Aoshima brings up some data on her. All her dresses are even crumbling now. Uh, Miguel seems ghost of Ava and her company. She even leaves roses for him that are, are not a hologram. Uh, no one else saw anything, though. And their yeah. roses are addressed to my dearest Ava, love Carlo. And it's, like, recurring creepy imagery because it's, like, once you touch anything in this space, it starts to crumble away. Yeah. And then once they get in deeper, that gets a little more uh, scary, mm -hmm. I guess. I can certainly see it bothering someone who's, you know, sensitive to that kind of stuff. But yeah. No one believes what Miguel saw. Uh, Miguel is present in the pictures now as they turn their back. So it's like, uh-oh, spooky Scooby-Doo antics are going on here. Certainly. Uh, the pair split up. Don't do that. Don't do that, especially in a ship designed by me. Never split up. Mm -hmm. uh, not afraid of ghosts, are you? Heinz sees another ghostly vision of a girl falling through the floors, unable to catch her still. And Ayoshima tells that them that the signal is moving through the ship, uh, making them think that someone is definitely alive if the signal's moving. Mm -hmm. uh, Ava was a noble prodigy. The diva of the century was her, uh, her sobriquet. And she met a tenor by Carlo Rimbaldi, and the pair fell in love. Picture perfect. Uh, Miguel is searching through the catacombs with crying statues that are leaking, like, grease oil. Goo. Yeah. The further you go down into this structure, the worse everything becomes. Like, the, it starts to decay a lot more, and it's like the metal underneath everything. Mm -hmm. uh, things for Ava went south. Ava lost her voice, but pushed on for Carlo, who was murdered right before the pair were married. This caused Ava to disappear from the public eye and, you know, grieve her loss. Yes. And disappear. So we don't know anything about her. Uh, the corona loses communication and video feeds due to the magnetic field. Miguel falls into a submerged catacombs and the ship in the ship and finds the piano playing the distress signal very mm -hmm. creepily by itself. Yes. Uh, suddenly, he is embraced by the vision of Ava and the catacombs transform into a lush green environment. Ava believes Miguel to be Carlo and Heinz hears a woman's voice but can't find Miguel. Yes. Uh, he is thrown into the memory of Ava performing the act two closer of Tosca, stabbing Heinz, which happens... During that, where she stabs Scarpia in the show. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just like her playing the character that she was meant to play and acting out the scenario. Uh, causing him to remember his life, wife and daughter, Emily, back home. 
you could be a spaceman just like your papa, like gifting her a childlike spacesuit. Yeah, Heinz buys her a spacesuit, and she, like, his daughter Emily really loved him and was like, I just want to be with my dad all the time, but obviously, if he's working on these space salvage missions, he was away from home a lot. Yeah. Uh, loving family, but something is off. Is this real? The vision starts to warp a la Midsummer, and, um, what was the other reference I used? Uh, Annihilation. Yes. Things aren't entirely what they see. Uh, seem uh all just a slowly consuming decay it turns out to be like this white crystalline structure yeah. is absorbing Heinz in the present like a mix of bio and techno horror kind mm-hmm. of because it's like it kind of reminds me this is gonna be but metacooler when he makes oh. the metal planet yeah you and would then know. it's like uh but there's other i feel like one of the transformers movies did this like the animated ones did this with like the metal illusion falling apart but it's a good image yeah uh heinz snaps back to the present ivanov has been trying to contact him and miguel for half an hour heinz shoots at the effigies unable to do so at his daughter's own effigy uh the magnetic field is starting to go haywire heinz is shot at by more cherubs as miguel promises ava that they will be together forever enamored with the fantasy that he's living in miguel's fully absorbed into it uh heinz reaches the catacombs to find miguel in a trance uh, the magnetic field starts to eat up the corona, uh, the ship preventing Heinz from interfering with Miguel. This is just her memories, or like Ava's memories. Ava's voice demands to know why Heinz is interfering. This is a way for me to have my love and live with him forever. Yeah. So, And more importantly, his heart can't change yeah. this time. And she has made Carlo eternal. Yeah. Uh, Ava killed Carlo. That is revealed as well. Presumably because after she lost her voice, he, like, soured on her, and then she murdered him out of, like, grief for that. Yeah. Heinz tries to fight the Ava memory, uh, losing his wallet with a family photo and being transported back to a version of his memories with, like, his home Mm -hmm. emerging from the goo. Yeah. Well, partially that, and because the Ava AI, like, is, like, flexing, like, oh, I can make this your reality now. Like, I can easily just give you anything you want. So here's this. Uh, They reveal that Emily died trying to help her father on the roof, trying to be like him, and falling to her death. All of the imagery we saw previously is explained. All those memories. And it is quite a gut punch. You, yeah. di- I, I did not see this coming remotely. It's just like an innocent little accident that happens, mm-hmm. and it's just it just is holy shit. They kill the child. Yeah. Uh, Ava suggests that Heinz can be here happy in his memories with Emily still alive. However, upon seeing his wallet, he knows it isn't real. He can't hide in the past. Heinz shoots the Ava AI... Ivanov and Ayoshima aim their gravity beam and try to escape from the pull of the station. Heinz sees that this is all controlled by a computer who merged with Ava's, uh, Ava's entity, identity. Um, Ivanov asks Heinz to forgive him and fires the Corona's energy cannon, pulling Heinz into the vacuum of space while Ava sings the finale of Madame Butterfly, Kona Normore, Tutu, uh, Piccolo Adio. Uh, elsewhere, Ava's aged corpse is seen. Her and Miguel live on in memories, and the debris forms into the shape of a rose, a magnetic rose, if you will. Uh, Heinz survives in his spacesuit in the emptiness of space, rose petals uh, inside his spacesuit. Yeah, real rose petals. So yeah. it's like, is he, is this... Is he hallucinating because he's dying, or is it like there were real rose petals in there somewhere? Do we want to talk about themes that we think are present in this section before moving on? Uh, well, obviously, memories, the mm-hmm. danger of living solely in those memories yeah. and never moving past them, mm-hmm. uh, and the classic, like, nothing is beautiful because it lasts. Yeah, the lies we tell ourselves Yeah, to keep us going. But I'm assuming if I if I have to try to connect it to the other two, it's like 
the memories here are like technology creating an illusion of something, mm. uh, while the other two are like different kinds of dangerous technologies. Um, so I, I'm not sure yet. I'm interested to see how this all connects. But yes, yes. Uh, care to lead us into the second one, Stink Bomb? Uh, Stink Bomb. Uh, so this one is uh, in a, a Japanese prefecture. A nice tonal shift, huh? No, very, yeah. very much so. Uh, and this one is uh, Stink Bomb, the stinkiest weapon is mm-hmm. episode two. Yeah, the first one was Her Memories. Yes. Uh, so lab technician Nobuo Tanaka is dealing with a bad cold. Uh, well, it says flu. Yeah. is flu and he receives a flu shot. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of begin in this cramped little clinic. He gets the shot. Yep. The doctor kind of passively assures him that he should it should clear up, but he's mm-hmm. going to have to take, like, cold medicine, medicine for a couple the days. Counter, yeah. Uh, so he's just an everyday Japanese citizen working at a lab, um, and he's at his, he goes into work anyway, because he doesn't feel like sitting at home alone. His normal desk job. Yeah. So he's, he just works at this desk job at this lab, (laughs) and he's sitting there sneezing all day long, um, and his fellow employees, noticing that he's still in a bad state. (laughs) <laughs> uh, suggest that uh, since he's already sampled all of the other cold medicine types that this lab creates... The that, boss is working on something special. Yeah, because they're a pharmaceutical lab, uh, that he should go into his office and uh, <laughs> go into the chief's office and try the blue pills that in are in a red bottle. bottle. Mm. Like, blue flower red thorns. Yeah, remember this. Yeah. Um, Nobo goes in to drop off some reports, uh, but the chief is not in there. Uh, Nobo mistakenly takes some red pills in a blue bottle... Don't keep them uh, next to each other, is what I said. Yeah, very simple. <laughs> who put them? Who put them together? He he really should have had them under either like, that or play more Doctor Mario in like a display case or mm-hmm. something. Um, but Nobo takes the wrong pills and he you know returns to everyday. Work. Well, he like, like yeah. goes to pass out. Yeah, yeah, he goes to take a nap in the reception area. So uh, he wakes up. Oh, okay. So then one of the office workers who was nearby through the vents, like, smells something that to her smells like perfume, mm-hmm. while another office worker smells something terrible, like yeah. someone ate something bad. Uh, so the smell, whatever it is, kind of takes, you know, a different form to each person, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they... Uh, which I wonder, is is it because Nobuo has a crush on that that office worker? Yeah, maybe. Because we do talk about his emotional state during this. Yeah. Like, since he's more calm, maybe that's not when it happened. The the smell affects, you know, like, the smell is affected by his emotions, so maybe the reason why it smells nice to her, because he kind of flirts with her when he comes in. He's like, well, I gotta come into work. I don't have a nice lady to take care Mm -hmm. of me at home. They don't don't interact beyond that, but maybe that's that's why. Um, so, the, you know, the chief comes in in a panic state yeah. uh, because he sees that someone has taken one of the pills that was on his desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is running around, you know, trying to get a hold on where Nobuo went. They're like, oh, it's cool. He just went to sleep on one of the couches in the reception area. And everything kind of fades out w- with us seeing that the ventilation system in the office is cranked up. Yeah, so, and everyone's smelling something. The rats are all smelling something. Yeah, so something something strange is unfolding. Mm-hmm. So Nobu wakes up to find the lab is dead quiet. He also discovers that everyone in the office is surprisingly dead. So we get like a Stephen King the Stand situation. Yeah. Uh, Womp. 
So Nobo tries to call an ambulance, and he goes in the ch- into the chief's office to find him dead as well. And he died uh, right before turning the bio-contamination alarm back on, because it had been off for some reason. Uh, that is, so Nobo turns it back on, and it seals off the lab. Mm-hmm. And this automatically starts a video conference with other higher-ups, uh, including Kyochi Narasaki. Uh, so he gives, uh, you know, he thinks that Tanaka is the only survivor of some kind of accident, and he's like, the most important thing for you to do is before the authorities arrive, you need to take that bottle, the the, the blue bottle with the red pills inside, and then all of the documentation around it, because it was a government contract, put it in a briefcase, and get it to me in Tokyo as soon as you can. Yes. Do not stop for anything. Yeah. Do not tell anyone that you work for the company. Mm. Um, so so Nobuo kind of realizes that he took the wrong pills, mm-hmm. uh, but he doesn't think too much on it. He just kind of hops on a bike and heads out into the world. But he is shocked to see that Yamanashi is also full of dead and dying animals, Birds are falling out of the sky mm-hmm. as he, you know, is riding through the area. And there's also weird weather events happening. Cherry blossoms and sunflowers are blooming out of season next yeah. to each other. It's snowing in some parts, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone, the people included, that he passes by are dead mm-hmm. in their cars, pretty much. Uh, elsewhere, the Japanese military is trying to figure out what is going on. And we get some military scenes, which I'm like, Dan loves these. I do, I do. Uh, well, obviously in the in the Godzilla movies, they're mm. always trying to get ahead. Mm. Uh, news crews are reporting that Yamanashi has, blocked off, has been blocked off, uh, and that there is a strange smell in the air. Uh, a news copter reporting on the blooming flowers and the mass casualties... Uh, they see Nobuo, a survivor, and they're like, we're going to get, you know, famous or get an award if we go down there and rescue him. Well, here they say hell in full bloom, and in the first one they say hell all the way down or something like that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So two different hells! Yay! <laughs> um, so, uh, upon approaching Nobuo, however, the reporters die Yeah, what a scoop! Instantly. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and they... It's kind of deduced then uh, back at the military HQ that the pills that Nobuo took by accident are seemingly reacting with the flu shot, and this chemical reaction, we would have to ask Grant about it, is <laughs> uh, creating this horrible stink cloud. Yeah. Uh, and it also kind of depends on his emotions, mm-hmm. so we would assume like perspiration, other things like we that. We have to keep him calm, but a lot of people are thinking, just kill him outright. Yeah, yeah. And we see that Nobu's family also sees this news broadcast and is like, Nobu's still alive, we gotta do something. He's in trouble again, yeah. that boy. Mm. Um, so, uh, they, I think, like, troops try to, okay, so they're, they're debating whether or not to kill him on site, but the American military representative <laughs> is like, no, we invested in this stink bomb project, too, yeah. we, you know, want to take him alive, uh, to mm-hmm. perform experiments yeah. on him. Uh, so, you know, back in, like, on the road, Nobuo has gotten a little motor scooter bike mm-hmm. and the entire force of the japanese military is against him yeah so they try to like save him at first but then realize he's the source of the stink yeah. cloud and a lot of cool scenes mm-hmm. like like this is why it had to be animated it, yeah. like this couldn't have been rendered this we can't see the stink lines we can't see the stink lines and it couldn't have been rendered as like i think like frantically or frenetically as it was here uh. With just how crazy all the missile salvos are and mm-hmm. the stink cloud and everything else, 
all the the military's like panicked responses to it. Uh, but Nobuo is lucky enough to like to dodge every missile just by coincidence, mm-hmm. uh, even as they're destroying the bridges around him and near him. Um, and at first you think, okay, like why can't they just hit a missile ahead of him yeah. uh, to stop him? <laughs> But the stink is so powerful that it's interfering with all of their equipment. Mm -hmm. Once the stink cloud touches electronics and microchips, it shorts them out uh, with little green lightning sparks. Sends them haywire. So by all uh, accounts, military technology, the weaponry of of modern man is useless against this stink cloud uh, that is rapidly making its way to Tokyo. Yeah, which is in chaos. Everyone's trying to flee. They're trying to flee. Mass panic. Uh... So the the Americans are cooking something up. Uh, well, it's revealed that Tokyo is going to get bombed. Yeah, they're going to yeah, firebomb yeah, it in yeah. order to destroy the source of the stink, which is, of course, Nobuo, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, and they try to, like, get him to... They also try to get him to turn around by having his grandma in, oh, a, yeah, yeah. in a copter, mm-hmm. but that doesn't work. He's just like, what's grandma doing, doing up, up there? there. Um, so Nobuo is just full speed ahead onto Tokyo, only slowed down by the fact that his own stink eventually breaks the bike that he's riding, mm-hmm. uh, so no technology can function about yeah. it. So the U.S. military, uh, who have been observing the situation up until that point... Uh, they kind of use the Japanese policy to take over their operations, and they call in, again, where Grant comes in, three special NASA spacesuits, state-of-the-art, that are not affected by electromagnetism mm-hmm. and are completely sealed off, obviously, from the atmosphere. This is how we're going to show up to our live performance? Yes. In these <laughs> ships? And then I said, hmm, Dan's about to get an idea, I feel. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, I know you love these suits. I do love these suits. Mm. Um, but, uh, meanwhile, the, the Japanese military is trying another operation where they trap Nobuo in a tunnel and then blast him with fans. Mm-hmm. And had everything worked out, they would have blasted him with liquid nitrogen to, to freeze, freeze him. him. Freeze the stink. Freeze the stink. Uh, but they do not get to do that until, uh, the U.S. military arrives. So, Nobuo is very stressed. The stink cloud is getting worse. He's trying to brave his way through the tunnel while this, like, jet stream of fans is going on, uh, and the three astronauts come upon him. Mm. Uh, Nobuo obviously is even more panicked <laughs> at the sight because they're reaching out to well, him. Well, they also look like killer demon astronauts. <laughs> they do, and they got, like, big, uh, like, grabbing, probing arms yep. on the suits, and they reach out to get him, uh, and at this point, the stink cloud becomes heavier. It takes on, like, a darker color, and it automatically, you know, sends bursts of lightning out mm-hmm. to protect Nobuo, presumably, to protect yeah. himself. Um, and we think that the, the astronauts have been, like, blasted back, but we don't see what happened mm-hmm. immediately. Except mm-hmm. that the military has to flee because the cloud is now, in that moment, uh, denser. Mm. Uh, they see that, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of back at the HQ, they're kind of waiting for everything to happen, all of the military bigwigs have fled, mm-hmm. there's, like, rumors that the Emperor is going to be airlifted out of Japan. Well, no, Japan. It, it's like a cool-down after that, because yeah. don't they see, oh, okay. Well, right, right before yeah, that, before, they're yeah. like, oh, you, you two, the two business guys yeah. should go home to your families, mm-hmm. like, I'll stay here, and I'll, you know, the, the big guy on top is like, I'll, I'll stay here and yeah. take the fall for this, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um... But the uh, one suit exits the tunnel, and everything seems to have been to work to have worked out fine. Uh, the Tokyo firebombing is called off, 
and the suit is then brought into the military headquarters in Tokyo to, like, praise whichever, uh, you know, brave astronaut or soldier managed mm-hmm. to pull this off. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, the, the guy in the spacesuit walks in, uh, he hands uh, Narasaki the briefcase, and it is actually Nobuo in that suit. Yeah, like, he, gee! He somehow yeah. got in there, and he's like, you know, I did what you said! Covered in a stink cloud that he doesn't see. Yeah, and he's like, oh, hold on, I, I can I can talk to you better if I just open the suit up. <laughs> and he clicks it, and everyone, uh, kind of like uh, Dr. Strangelove, is engulfed in this. Yes, and gas. What a and stink. Uh, all the military higher-ups are taken out, and then someone does... Mm. I think Nobuo himself comments on, like, the bad smell, finally, yeah. at that point. Yep, so thoughts on this one? This one... And I'm not saying this in a bad way. No, it's fine. Felt the longest. Oh, okay. Like, it it very much felt like a... Like, if you're viewing these as, like, food dishes, Mm. this one, and again, not in a bad way, Mm -hmm. sort of overwhelms the palate. Don't talk about food at the current moment. (laughs) Like, it's kind of like, coming off of Magnetic Rose, this, again, to me, it felt a little longer, and it felt like... I'm going to remember this one instead of Magnetic Rose. Oh, wow. But, hmm. um, but that all kind of shifted with this next portion. Yeah. But The themes <laughs> of not taking pills you don't know. Yes. <laughs> uh, I guess going against authority. Even the higher-ups don't know what they're doing. Yeah, the higher-ups don't know what they're doing. Uh, it's kind of their <laughs> fault that the stink cloud is advancing towards Tokyo Could have in been the first solved place. a little bit if someone listened to instructions in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. so, again, I guess dangers of, of like, meddling with science, that I don't like know. post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Post-apocalyptic, but like a stupid post-apocalypse, mm-hmm. like, uh, like this is just, like, the folly of man yeah. leading to some kind of destruction. Mm-hmm. Um... I, I'm not sure what else, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's vague. It, it, it's it is. It's open to interpretation. Yeah. yeah. Like, so far, do you think they flow together in any way? Or do they feel like two random vignettes we've watched? At this moment, they feel random. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, I would be interested to hear more about what the thought process oh, was. I, but... I don't have it. I could oh, research okay. it, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the only thing I can think of is, like... I, mm. Again, the only thing I can think of is, like, the way things end. Mm. Like, the first one is you're not allowing something to end mm-hmm. because it's like you're carrying on, like, a fake illusion, a fake continuation of what you want things to be. Mm-hmm. The stink bomb one is, you know, the end coming about yeah. from, like, a simple, stupid mistake. Either that or Nobu's, like, delusional. Like, he doesn't realize, like, everyone he runs towards... Yeah, yeah. Like, is dying. He, he is the problem. He doesn't know... So Hi, it's, it's me. So that could be a matter of, like, perception. I'm then. the problem, it's me. Like, yeah. they... Uh, okay, then that in that case, they're both probably about mm-hmm. perception, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he... Nobuo doesn't understand that he's the villain of that story. Yeah. And neither does Ava uh, in the first one. Nope. So, okay. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. see that. Yeah. And our last one, the Dan Ryan favorite fantasy it changed my life. <laughs> goes to just as I thought. Obviously, my least favorite, but I'm sure that's why Dan and I balance out mm-hmm. in different ways. So we've got cannon fodder. Not much of a plot. It's all done in one continuous take, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's animated a bit differently. It feels like a Pixar short when compared with the other ones. And kind of like again, like Pink Floyd's The Wall, yeah. or like a military era 
or uh, like a wartime cartoon yeah, propaganda-esque yeah come to life uh in a walled city perpetually at war everyone's livelihood depends on maintaining and firing the enormous cannons that make up most of the city and everything is canon themed canon o's the canon family on tv yeah it's the one canon show shoes. canon shoes different helmets that yeah. are you know accessorized in different ways it's all about the canons yep uh we mostly follow the life of one boy in the city honor to all warfare and such graded in school on military tactics and strategy uh the father figure of this family operates one of the city's largest cannons uh basically midgar is yeah. what i put down uh not much dialogue at all uh there is a clockwork routine of everyone in this city fueled by propaganda and social advancement so the better you do the more higher up on the cannon totem pole you are and it's peppered with other little details like when the kid wakes up in the morning he salutes this very portrait. heroic yeah. portrait of the cannon firer mm-hmm. like yeah. the guy well in the, the background one guy... they have like some canonized literally saints <laughs> yeah so it, it's like it's that, but then when we see that guy in real life, he doesn't look anything like the, no. the chiseled yeah. figure Adonis. on a portrait. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, elements of propaganda. Uh, but this little boy aspires to be the guy firing the cannon. Yeah, uh, Kids in school learning geometry to track the path of missiles and hit the enemy, which we ne- only vaguely hear about, we never see, because they live in this Cannonburg on a barren wasteland. And, yeah, the only line we get is that the enemy's moving city has been struck, so that's why they, the cannons need to be able to rotate, so it's some kind of mortal engines... That, and they get no break when they're under attack. Yeah, no no break at all. Because yeah. uh, the, the, the enemy doesn't take a break is another propaganda line they use, but... Yeah. Are we gonna bring mortal engines to this podcast? Or? I don't know about that. <laughs> well, maybe we will, but... You might. Yeah. Uh, the many people it takes just to fire one practice shot. And I love this yeah, part. He loves the minutiae <laughs> it's, it's, of the it, military. It's like there. It, and again, it's. I'm assuming it's to just to emphasize the tedium of it. You're gonna but go it's take like, this home and show it to dad and brother. It is. It is like from every single little step is like we gotta announce that we're backing the crane arms <laughs> up to grab the bullet. Announce that we're pulling the bullet up. Yeah. <laughs> announce that we're moving the crane arms back. And it's like, yeah. all of these people in these different spots, like, you have to assume that is just their daily existence. Like, mm-hmm. that is all they do in this city. Yeah. They're dressed like sniffets. <laughs> so. Dan wouldn't get enough living in this cannon. But I could I could easily be swayed by the cannon propaganda. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I could just work an honest day's living and then go home and watch the Canon family, then that's yeah, you know your canos. play some Canon sixty four. Yeah. I could I could do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the entire crew has to evacuate before anything is launched. Yes. Um, and the pomp and circumstances of having a general go through all this just to shoot off one glorious shot. Yes. Um, so we get like the bureaucracy of everything. And it is emphasized that they can't even see what they're shooting at mm-hmm. really. It's cuz there's like a gigantic smoke cloud obscuring everything, but it's yeah. like the at the beginning that the the teacher is like, "Oh, we use mathematics to triangulate where we think the enemy city is." Mm-hmm. So, we can assume that we're hitting them most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um the entire city starts chanting when this is firing, but we see that there's some dissenters. Yeah. Some people like that one woman and the the people outside that want non-poisonous gunpowder or yes. non-noxious gunpowder uh, and their things, but they're not feeling the Cannonberg, but they're too overwhelmed by everyone else. Yeah. But still going about their daily lives like we see the woman, the the kid's mom on like the line talking about like work gossip. Yeah, like oh, we hope the foreman doesn't have a kid cuz the kid'll have his mustache and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, not into it as the rest of everyone else. City is overlooking a barren wasteland. 
Uh, moving on to cleaning the giant. First, we clean the giant barrel. Mm-hmm. Then we load the giant barrel. Yes. But then Boy's father makes a slight mistake and one of the shells drops and he gets demoted. He will, he yeah, gets reprimanded. Him and his team get punished by mm-hmm. having to stay behind <laughs> when the cannon fires. Yeah. Uh, while everyone else evacuates to the safety yeah. of, like, this shelter area, mm-hmm. b- like, besides the cannon. Um, and he's not even allowed to go back out of line and grab his gas mask, mm-hmm. because this is, like, the hand slap for messing up yeah. the cannon And process. he freaks out. Yeah. yeah. No, he is he is clearly, like, terrified the yeah. entire time. Um, uh, but he survives the blast up close, and then we go to, like, the the wind down, the, the home life, uh, the nightlife, giving reports on how the nation is the greatest in the world, mm-hmm. uh, how many hits they got off, be they direct hits, near misses, or, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and assuring the people that, oh, we scored so many hits today, the war is certainly almost over, mm-hmm. the enemy will almost be taken out yeah. soon. And the boy asks, Dad, who are we fighting? You'll know when you're older. Yeah. So, do they even know? And the dad, who is clearly, like, despondent at this point, kind of looks at his son's doodle. Mm-hmm. And the, the son drew, like, an aggrandized version of the cannon, the main cannon firer mm-hmm. general. Just like, like you do. Lead, exactly. Leading yeah. the troops into a, a triumphant patriotic victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the boy goes to bed. He salutes the cannoneer one last time, who we now know is, like, a dumpy general who doesn't look anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the boy tellingly aspires to be that guy instead of his father. Like, he says out loud, you know, my prayer is that I become the cannon, the cannoneer instead of my dad. Yep. And then he goes to bed. Yeah. And presumably, this is a cycle that goes on Every day. forever. Yeah. yeah. And then our memories end. The three segments. So, yeah. thoughts on this one? I, I love this one. Mm. I love the steampunk designs of everything. I love... It's it's a very simple but, I think, powerful little message about war. Mm-hmm. And how it, like, it can go on in perpetuity. And I think you touched upon a good theme of perception, because they're perceiving, or not perceiving, what they're doing. Yeah. They're just going through the routine, not asking questions. Probably is no... Yeah enemy there mm-hmm. but maybe there's the memory of a memory of an enemy <laughs> memory of an enemy yeah instead of a real one mm. which would make sense yeah uh this one was cute to me this would be like a good pixar short i think mm-hmm. an anti-war short um uh, but i feel at points if it wasn't for us finding on that theme of a uh, perception they don't really go all that well together mm-hmm. i feel like uh, they just put some of this guy's work together and and got a loose line yeah. for it. I mean, I think if we go from perception, then it does kind of make sense with, like, obviously, the, f- the first one is obvious, the second mm-hmm. one is, like, main character perceives himself as the hero, but he's actually the monster in that story, and then the the third one is, like, propaganda, mm. d- like, bending perception, yeah. and then, you know, keeping people going in spite of nothing. Mm. So. Would you change the order to watch them? In? Oh, well, yeah, the yeah, second yeah. one is also keeping a guy going yeah. in spite of nothing, because yeah. he's literally for his job. Well, the first well, one has Heinz going. Yeah. In spite of, yeah. So it's, it's like, uh, yeah, so that, the, the first one again is clear, the second one is like his, just simply because his boss tells him to bring the briefcase mm-hmm. to Tokyo, that is enough of a, of a, of an illusion mm-hmm. to, 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 Make him risk his life mm-hmm. under, like, a missile salvo. Yeah. The same with... So, the illusions. Ones. Yes. All right, I like yeah. that. Uh, would you change the order these are seen in? 
No. No? No. Okay. Yeah. I think I would put the canon one first. Okay. And I would put Magnetic Rose at the end. For me. That would make sense. Yes. Um, I, no, I could see that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if they're directly reversed, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's just my thing. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, eh, even if the canon one went in the middle, that's kind of like a little interstitial short. That worked too. But. I, I and I, I do think Magnetic Rose is good for introducing like yeah. that illusion yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. But you know, it it maybe maybe on future viewings mm-hmm. I could change that. How but. would you rank these? Um I would rank them just in the order presented. One, two, three. I honestly I I <laughs> my gut says three way tie. <laughs> three way tie. The Sweden of the podcast, the Switzerland. M- Magnetic Rose is the most cinematic and probably the the best of the three. Mm. But Stink Bomb is the most memorable, you, and yeah. I just yeah. love the visuals in the third one. Mm. So, if I had to, to, if I was forced at canon point to order <laughs> them, probably uh, Stink Bomb, Magnetic Rose, and then Cannon, cannon Fodder. But we know you love Cannon Fodder. Yeah, yeah. but very, very close. Hmm. If I even if I'm forced to rank them, so yeah. all right. So we talked about memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything else to add? Just beautiful. Just I don't know. Work of art. It's gonna I, keep I, you up at night, huh? Yeah, I I'm gonna go. Look gonna ask more me into to design this. a stink bomb Pokemon. Gonna work on your spacesuit Pokemon. Well, we can. Yeah, we, we will. Yeah, we will. In the name of the canon, we will do it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely wholeheartedly recommend this. Mm. It's just something to experience. All I think. right, I'm yeah. glad you enjoyed it. Uh, but we've had a lot of recording today. Mm-hmm. Uh, still more to do on Sunday, but mm-hmm. you get a one day reprieve, Dan. Mm-hmm. Congrats! But before we go, is there anywhere that our audience can find you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on inst- on Instagram at King underscore Dennis, um, as well as our adjacent Anime Was Not a Mistake podcast, uh, Facebook and Instagram pages. Mm. And you can find me, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, at Losing My Mind JK on Instagram and the TikTok, Drink and Read JK on Twitter, or follow my other podcasts, including Nightcaps at the Theater, uh, where me and a couple friends get a little drizzy drunk and watch some movies, or Drink and Read the podcast, where I read some classic literature, so you don't have to, but mm-hmm. you can listen along and have some fun times with it, too. And oh boy, Dan... Out of the frying pan and into the fire, huh? I'll, I'll say so, yeah. There's something sinister brewing in that pot. So sinister, in fact, that I'll be selecting. I'll be reaching a gloved hand in mm-hmm. and pulling out a movie of my choice. And oh boy, this one, I think this is going to be the most divisive movie ever shown on this podcast. I'm unironically excited. I saved something special for us. <laughs> I don't know if we're both going to love it, both going to hate it, half hate, half love. But one thing's for certain, we're going to be at each other's throats, Dan. I... I'm ready for it. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who, who I'm ready has, to fight. Who has forgotten after a certain number of Sinister Sixes pass, we yeah. come to the, <laughs> the quarter quell. The, the quarter quell, yeah. uh, the Sinister Selection. In We're which... at 25. This next one's going to be 25. So the, the yeah. that Every gives 12. us both the right to invoke yeah. one movie <laughs> of our choosing. You go uh, to the canon, I go to the Magnetic Rose. Instead of uh, randomized, and Jonathan apparently has some, some Leviathan yeah. of a movie The ready only to go. reason <laughs> I'm going first, Dan should have gone first canonically, mm-hmm. which I'm going to use that word a lot now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I, we have time. I have one more day off, and mm-hmm. it is a long movie. Yes. So I figured, let's get it out of the way. So um, I don't really want to say much besides, you love movies now. I don't know about 
when this movie's over. And, uh, I guess we gotta bring in the elephant. Oh boy. Well, even if I don't have movies, at least I'll still have the canon. Mm. Here at Anime Was Not a Mistake, we have one mission. Whether you be a magical girl, a giant fighting robot, a raccoon, or just a fan of podcasts in general, we hope to one day arrive at a definitive answer to the following question. Is anime a mistake? While we obviously don't think so, there's no harm in expanding our wee horizons now, is there? As of late, our humble little show is devoted to the analysis and discussion of movies, series, and episodes that show off that powerful art that is animation. However, none of this would be possible without listeners like you. If you like what you hear on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and more, then why not support us on Instagram at Anime Was Not a Mistake Podcast, or on Facebook at Anime Was Not a Mistake Pod. We promise to go happies on the sake with you. Join us, won't you? This time and the next. And with that, Dan and I leave you with a to be continued as the chill anime beats play. Sayonara. <laughs>